0: You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 19, New Kids on the Block. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the
1: battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened.
0: When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance.
1: Now we have the Dragon.
0: This is the Savage Fincast, the show that Peter David calls Hulk with a Fincast. <laughs> My name is Jim Purcell.
2: <laughs> I'm Craig Olson. And I'm Raven Perez.
0: And uh, we are back again to do a new episode. We are uh, a little behind. Uh, we understand that the latest issue of Savage Dragon has been out for about three weeks. Uh, we're very, uh, very sorry about that.
2: It's a, it's a good thing though, because it means that Eric Larson's, Eric Larson's pumping them out, you know, at, at a monthly pace, you know. So we're trying to keep up, and, and I like that.
0: I'd rather be ahead myself, but uh, it it is great that it is actually coming out monthly, and we are, you know, there's something to fall behind.
2: Right, right. I know, I had a someone had sent us a message on on uh, I think either Facebook or or Twitter asking why we don't do uh, the old issue reviews anymore, and it's just like because we just don't have time. You know, we used to use it as kind of filler with you know issues were two months later, or whatever, but right. Eric's just been, you know, pushing them right out. So it's like we don't need any kind of filler or anything. We just keep going. If we could
0: get caught up, we could try and do more uh, retro reviews because I do miss them. We haven't done one in a while.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'd
3: rather it was all killer, no filler, though. I love that the (laughs) book's coming out so fast.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot to talk about, and we've been lining up good interviews and stuff like that. Um, Speaking of interviews, we have someone – Someone's going to be on this episode.
0: Um, Yes, um, our friend Adam has taken it upon himself to interview our good friend uh, Gavin Higginbotham uh, about his uh, writing debut on uh, the the Savage Dragon backup Zeke.
2: And also uh, his experiences, I think, as being the newly named editor of Savage Dragon. So that should be a good interview, and that will just be a pre-recorded interview with adam so um i look forward to listening to that yeah
0: yeah we haven't heard it yet so actually i'll be the first one to hear it except for adam of course who recorded it
3: we imagine it's gonna be a total (laughs) world shattering interview
2: yes so should we jump to the eric larson news of the month
3: sounds like a plan quite a bit so let's get
2: to it all right first up uh We didn't cover this in past episodes, and we probably should have. Savage Dragon issue 190 is actually going to be available in two formats the regular kind of uh, standard comic size and a limited digest uh, format. And I think that kind of flew under the radar. I don't know uh, how well known that was. Um, I know on previews, there's you know, I think it's like an A and a B, so you can order it in two different ways. They're both priced the same. I think there's probably a lower print run on the digest size comic because they are calling it limited. So um, both the $3.99. There's nothing additional, I don't think, in the Digest. So the regular size. comic Comic is going to be thirty-two pages. A digest size is going to be, you know, it's a smaller digest size, and it's going to be double uh, sixty-four page. And I couldn't find. I I thought it was on Twitter where Eric kind of explained it, but I couldn't find it. I think it's something like you know, like the regular size book is going to have like four square panels per page or something like that, and the digest size might be like two panels per page. You know, so it's it's the same panels just arranged differently.
0: Right. Uh, my my thought is that um yeah basically each one page in the 32 will have two pages of the 64 so yeah. presumably the story is actually formatted for the 64 page dot di- digest uh style and the full size ones more for the collector who wants to keep his collection
2: i don't know yeah i don't know either that or it's just it seems like it would be you know some hard work to to keep all the panels uh yeah flowing right for both Well, that's the thing i mean he's He's clearly
0: planned it to work this way i mean the fact that he's offering it two different ways suggests that he's thought about how the layouts work i mean it's it's probably going to be a bit like the mcsweeney one uh story remember how when it was full size it looked one way but when he turned it back
2: when you said full size for for the listeners don't know mcsweeney's uh is uh, kind of a, a magazine that's published in all sorts of Funky formats and it's stuff. Like a big fold-out
0: um, newspaper, if I remember correctly. This
2: this actual this actual issue of McSweeney's was printed in a newspaper. Right, and
0: I think format. that's that yeah. dragon story was two pages long, but when he reprinted it, it became four pages because he basically yeah, cut it in half.
2: Yeah, so it was full like newspaper size, like DC did with that Wednesdays comics, right. like. Uh, couple years back so this is like yeah and so like you're right so eric reprinted that right in the back of one of the issues of savage dragon right
0: so this is like the opposite where he's planning it for a small format and just making it bigger
2: yeah i'm not sure which way if he did it big and making it small or vice versa like you're saying but um we'll find out soon
0: yeah i'm curious about it what i'm curious about is uh which format will be available digitally
2: Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, uh, I kind
0: of hope both, so I can do, do an easy back side by side comparison. But that probably means I'll have to buy both. But it's
2: I'm I'm sure it's probably the regular size. Well, I just hope he because... makes both
0: versions available. I mean, there's no reason not yeah. to really, unless you want to keep yeah. the the digest size print only, which uh, yeah. you know, within his power, I suppose.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, a decision uh, that would not sit well with you keeps me up. At night. So we gotta we gotta move on. We got
3: a lot to cover this episode. So. Rolling along uh, does look like uh, 192. The solicitation came out for it. Uh, The cover is, uh, I'm sorry, the cover is uh, Savage Dragon walking to the electric chair. He's in shackles. He's got Father Bullcut and an officer escorting him to his death. (laughs) So uh, very, very awesome image, you know, uh, and the solicitation for it reads... Uh, it's the countdown to the biggest and most significant change for Savage Dragon, The Last Walk. For 21 years, Savage Dragon's been fighting the good fight. Now, that fight comes to its end. Savage Dragon comes with our highest possible recommendation.
0: So, it's gonna be a burn <laughs> burner. Que- questions are raised.
2: Is that Father Bolka? Is that that Cecil Parasol guy? The the um, Church of the Savage Dragon Priest guy, it kind of looks like him, but
3: you got to wonder. I I mean, he's also that electric chair doesn't look like the headpiece is uh, set up to, you know, account for the <laughs> spin there. But I love the logo; it's got a jolt effect. It's just fantastic. Well, so, well, well the thing cover. about
0: the logo is it kind of looks like it's disintegrating, which, as we know, the fo- next issue one ninety three will have a brand new logo. So I like it that it's like the logo we're used to is like breaking up. Right, right. An that's excellent and, cover.
2: And s- that's a nice segue. Speaking of the new logo,
0: ah, yes, uh, I believe uh, Eric released on uh, Facebook uh, a couple of weeks ago now a, his preliminary, quote unquote, final uh, new logo.
2: And it's going to start with issue one ninety three.
0: But the thing about the logo is, at at first glance, and we we will post images of this logo. You know, we'll link them so you'll be able to see what we're talking about. Uh, this logo, my first impression was it was like the letters of a Letterman jacket. It's like the the block
2: letters yeah, like with, a varsity. with uh,
0: varsity letters with like block letters with um with a white border. So my initial reaction was someone's going to college, but then uh, I was reminded <laughs> that uh, Malcolm's only in high school. But yeah, Letterman Letterman letters varsity letters are a high school thing as well. So it could just be yeah. a more heavy heavy focus on Malcolm in high school.
2: Right. I'm, I gotta admit, I'm not the hugest fan so far, but I think it's gonna grow on me. I, I think, you know, the Savage Dragon logo is just so right. iconic, and it's a great-looking logo. This one looks, it looks a little plain to me, Yeah. but, um, you know, I, I'm willing to give a chance. Let's see what it looks like on a few of these covers.
0: I mean, th- my big problem with it, with it is it does look very flat and very dull. I mean, his, his, it, he said he's still working on it. Uh, yeah. he, he's like, he's put it past uh, whoever runs Blambot, I think he said. So he, yeah. he's been getting more opinions on it. I know the the the, the fans, uh, basically us on the forum, we all were kind of critical of it. I mean, a few people liked it, yeah. but I think largely there was some criticism to how plain it looks. Yeah. I am in
3: the uh, pro. I guess I'm in the minority then, but I actually like it. Uh, in terms of, if you're talking about just uh, contrast, it's, it provides very clear contrast to what previously the other logo felt very superhero this logo immediately says change uh there's a lot of thoughtfulness we've seen the logo evolve on facebook almost in like real time it feels uh even even though it's sort of stuck to that sort of letterman font uh there's been some design you know changes made here and there and like i said i really like uh just some of the things that are happening, like, I know this is so nerdy, but, like, the symmetry between, like, the V's and the three A's formed by Savage uh, Dragon. Right, right, and it's right. really, like I said, it's thoughtful, it's very different, it's gonna look, at, like, stand out for anybody that, you know, walks by and is like, oh, Savage Dragon, that's weird, looks different. And, uh, you know, in that way, it's mission accomplished, so. Yeah, I'm, yeah. It, I'm in the minority, but.
2: Well, I mean, I'm glad that it's it's changing, though. It's you know, how many other comics have reached 200 and I've kept the same exact logo. You look at all the old Marvel books, logos change here and there, and it's kind of cool. It's kind of neat, you know. It, it marks different periods and errors of the book. And, uh, exactly. Um, right. I think it's. I'm for it. It's cool.
0: I don't know. I I still think it's a little. I think it. I think whatever. It's like you said. The old logo, the, well, the current logo looks like a superhero logo, a big action book, that that sort of thing. This logo doesn't look like that. So unless the book mm-hmm. actually dramatically changes, like it becomes like a teen sports comedy for a little while, like <laughs> Archie with a fin or something like that, I would yeah. I mean, the hell it's, out of that. It's that dramatic of a change, it almost feels like the logo doesn't really fit the the, the 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 style of the book. But again, it's Eric, so who knows what his plans are?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, last bit of news is more on our end. Um, we now have a Facebook presence. Uh, Dragonfan.net and the Savage Fincast have been kind of put together for a Facebook page. You can you know reach us at www.facebook.com/forward/slash/Dragonfan.net. Um, and what the plan there is just to have another outlet to kind of spread the word. Um. You know, you can find all our updates from dragonfan.net now on Facebook, uh, like you can on Twitter, um, as well as the latest FinCast episodes. So, again, it's just another way for us to kind of reach people and get the word out. So that's, that's good. That.
0: good. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm... You put this together, Craig?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was just something, I, you know, I figured might as well, you know. Yeah, and it's something like... You can just kind of copy the links and just paste right in Facebook. right? And, you know, it seems like everybody's got a Facebook account.
0: Probably should have been so. doing this for a while. So I appreciate you getting yeah, it done. Thank you very much. Awesome.
3: And I've been yeah. using it to like and share too. So definitely that stuff, you know, I mean, it's it really matters when uh, books are fighting for shelf space. And I know like in my local shop, you know, Savage Dragon has no shelf presence, period. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's in the boxes, and if people, you know, don't know if aren't if they aren't already getting it, there's no hope of them discovering Savage Dragon. So when you share and like stuff on Facebook, I mean, it does have a huge impact. So you know, yeah, take advantage of it. It's
2: everything we've been doing for a while. You know, like this podcast is, you know, us sharing our love about this book, and it's a way to get the word out. You know, I know. When we first started this, we all put our heads together and we said, how can we promote Savage Dragon more? And, you know, the DragonFan.net was born out of that. The FinCast was born out of that. Um, I really enjoy this book, and I know you guys do too. And, you know, this is all part of trying to help ensure that it's around for a bit longer and, and making sure people know about it and sharing the love, you know? Right. So... uh Moving along, this has been our uh, new regular segment, our FinCast trivia question. Um, Last episode's question was, which is the only issue of Savage Dragon that has featured the work of three different letterers for the dialogue of the main story? Did you guys know this, or did you guys have to look this up? I did
0: not know this, no. didn't have a clue.
2: Well, a couple of guys wrote in, and they did have a clue, and they got it right. Um, I'm going to read their responses. Um, we got three responses, and they are all correct. Um, and uh, our first uh, response we said we'd uh, award a prize to, and that went to uh, Benny Hassa, who we know from the drag, uh, Savage Dragon forums. He's been around there quite a bit. He wrote us in, and he said, Hey, this is Benny from the Savage Dragon forums. Good job, as always, on the FinCast. Can't really find any reason to complain about Savage Dragon fans chatting it up. As for the trivia, the only issue that I can think of had that had three letters is 122. Eric, Chris Eliopoulos, and the ghosts of Artie Simic. Ghosts are people, too. <laughs> and you're right, Benny. So um, for being our fir- the first person to answer correctly... Um, we're gonna send you a set of Chris Eliopoulos' Desperate Times comic from, uh, I think it was 1998. All four of those issues had covers by Eric Larson. They're pretty funny. It's just like, you know, a bunch of, like, Bikini Babes or something by (laughs) Larson. And actually, that first issue of Desperate Times had a Desperate Times strip written and drawn by Eric, which is kind of cool, too. But, uh... It's kind of a cool little under-the-radar series. I figured we'd give that away because it was by Chris Eliopoulos and last episode was about letters and I um, hope you enjoy, Benny. Um, we'll contact you and get your address and send that over to you. Uh, we had two other letter letters that were correct. Um, we had a letter from um, Guy LeMay and he said, hey guys, I'm... Sure, I'm way late, but the answer is Savage Dragon 122, the attack from Iraq. Eric did the crappy lettering, Chris (laughs) did the good lettering, and Artie did the 60s lettering. Thanks for another awesome podcast. And it sounds like Guy might be putting it down, but I think actually that's how it's referred to in the credits. (laughs) I think in the credits it says, you know, Eric Larson crappy lettering, you know, or something like that. Um, and our third letter was from Gavin Higginbotham, who everyone knows is disqualified from this contest for just being too damn smart and the editor of Savage Dragon. But Gavin went on to say, Savage Dragon 122, Eric, Chris, and the ghosts of Ari Simek. Boom. And I think he was actually like the very first person to answer that, but again, <laughs> he's disqualified. But thanks for writing in, Gavin. We always get a, a kick out of you writing in and, uh keep on answering our uh our uh, trivia questions i hope that you know at least one episode we'll be able to stump them
3: what we're gonna that's a challenge gauntlet down
2: (laughs) so um for this episode's question uh we're gonna tie something in uh with having our interview with gavin uh so uh, the question for you guys is: Prior to being credited as the official editor for Savage Dragon, starting with issue 184, Gavin Higginbotham was credited in another Savage Dragon book. Name the book. Um, I'm assuming we're not going to stump Gavin with this question. Yeah, but he
0: probably remembers <laughs> what it was. And in fact, I um, didn't act, I, when I first read the question. I didn't know the answer, but it suddenly come to me. So,
2: yeah. Wouldn't it be great um, if think-
0: this was the one, though?
2: Yeah. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> um, so anyway, guys, send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com, and we will read your answer on the next episode of the Fincast, and we look forward to hearing from you guys. Yep.
0: We, 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 we do enjoy getting letters. Thanks so much, definitely. So, um, we're going to take a little bit of, we're going to take a little bit of time now to let uh Adam, our good friend Adam, uh chat with Gavin about his um, his recent uh, editorial ship and his uh debut as a writer of a Savage Dragon backup. So, have a listen.
2: Yeah, I was, I'm really looking forward to listening to this as well.
3: It's Meteoric Rise to Glory.
1: So, hey guys, this is Adam and I'm here talking with the one and only Gavin Higginbotham. Um, We finally managed to get our schedules lined up to have a little conversation. Say hello, Gavin. Hello. And um, as many of you know, he recently became named the uh, official editor of Savage Dragon, which is very cool. Um, Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Zeke and... um, if you're ready we can just get right into it yeah go ahead so what um, Craig sent me a couple questions and wanted to um, first just ask you a little bit about what you do behind the scenes on dragon and what what was the um, sort of genesis of you working with Eric to becoming like the official editor on the book
4: well I think it mostly boils down to me just bombarding Eric with emails all the time, to be honest. Um, it's I've always been a bit OCD when it comes to comics, TV shows, um, films. Where I just remember every sort of bit of trivia about it. And uh, with Savage Dragon, just because I love it so much, um, I compiled like lists and databases of characters, appearances, um, who killed who, how many people have certain people killed, uh, who's still alive, who's dead. And um, these lists over the years have helped Eric out a bit with stuff. Um, He's When he's been, like, basically um, planning a slaughter of his characters, Mm -hmm. and he might send me an email saying, "Uh, who's available for for some cannon fodder? I think the first time I did that was with... um, savage dragon 139 with solar man just butchering the vicious circle yeah yeah um and then a couple more times with like the dragon army i posted a huge list on the, the message board of who's potential candidate for getting the blood and who would look quite cool with a mohawk or, or a finn i suppose and um and then eric emailed me about that saying which ones do you think i should use that uh, don't really mean anything, and no one will care um, right. so that's like people eggnog eggnogging that appeared once and got his ass kicked by kill Cat of all people, <laughs> so uh see so he was pretty lame um but yeah, and then there was I think there was another time as well no, oh the um I don't, know, what was it? I don't know I'm sure there's another massacre that I've had a, a part to play, oh yeah, the invasion arc with uh, the the Turanians killing everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: a lot of the people in that pile of bodies were my suggestions so basically <laughs> uh yeah there's a lot of I mean, email going back and forth about yeah like who's alive and and just trying yeah, to line I mean, things up basically eric's possibly too prolific for his own good sometimes with characters so as there's like 700 odd out of grace the pages of savage dragon he sort of loses track of some of them and uh me yeah, being an anal fanboy well yeah exactly me being an anal fanboy with um, lists and stuff, and just quite a good memory, um, that's basically been able to help him out. Um, And as I say, just from uh, sending emails with ideas and stuff, and Eric then bounced ideas back off of me. Not many of my ones necessarily have gone into the book or anything, but a few have. Um, And then Eric's made whatever suggestions I have made a hell of a lot cooler than my crappy ideas were. So,
1: and sometimes
4: think, he'll like
1: ask something, and you'll, you know, he may not use an idea, but it may give him another idea yeah, about exactly. where to go, or, or, he may be bouncing an idea, and then once he once he hears, you know, has a conversation with somebody about it, he is like, oh well, you know, actually, I don't really like, you know, what the consequences of that might be, where that might go, so I'm going to yeah. do something else, and.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I basically became because of the the frequent contact. I, was, I basically just became a sounding board, and that's that combined with me being a bit of a continuity cop in general. Anyway, like I might have caught a few um, very slight min- um, minor details that have gone wrong in like the scripting process or something, and just sort of know sure. oh, by the way. I think only one I can remember off the top of my head is uh, after Octopus was killed. And uh, there was all those gra- um, gravestones, tombstones. And um, there was a different name on the tombstone for Octopus. I was like, oh. uh, by the way, his, his name was Mr Whipple back in issue 38. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, okay, cool, I'll, do, I'll use that. Just silly things like that, but my brain just yeah. retains all that sort of information. Yeah, no. I mean, I can imagine how that would be helpful to
1: have around once you're starting to clock in at two two hundred issues well, yeah, and like a exactly. thousand characters. And yeah. when when I see issues like before they go to the printer, is is I pr- almost never have continuity stuff in my head. And and part of it is just because there's a lot of back issues that I haven't reread in a while. But generally, yeah. I'm just looking at like mistakes, like. Lettering stuff, or or little coloring gaps, if I can see them, and there's like it, it's actually kind of hard for me to spot some of that other stuff um, that it is you know has to actually do with characters and continuity and and the kind of stuff you're talking about.
4: And so yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of times that there's been mistakes to be honest, or anything like that. There might be just like the odd thing, like like I said with Octopus. There's another thing I think with um, Emperor Kerr. Uh, he was talking about the amount of time, uh, the amount of days worth of satellite stuff that it had in his brain. And I think Eric had put it as three days and I pointed out it was five or something like that. Mm. And um, So that was changed quickly on the, in the lettering stage. But but yeah, I mean, it's, it's only basic stuff that I'd pick up. Um, I mean, there's not been loads of characters running around alive that should be dead or anything like that. So. Right, right. Well, that so I f- think Toxic's died twice, so... Maybe he had a twin. Right, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but well, one, one thing that I think is 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 cool about this is that it's a um, you know it's a relationship that's developed over time, as you say, and and, um, and you were you know essentially doing what you're doing now for a little while before it, he made it official, and and. Um, I I thought, you know, um, it was really cool to just sort of give you that title, even though it's not exactly like, um, editorial in terms of, you know, steering the ship or firing people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like it's, it's more like what an editor actually would do on a creator owned book where the creator is still the person in charge and, and um, like I said, like, I don't know who else would be the continuity cop. Like, it's not going to be, you know, me or Frank or Gary or any of these other guys that he, you know, has, you know, working on other parts of the book or, or, or you know, people at Image. They're not going to okay. know the book as, as well as as you or, or, or you know, uh, some of the, even some of the fellow, like, board members that have helped you with the, the wiki, like Craig and Benny and those guys that yeah. have just, like, uh, encyclopedic stuff in their brains so I'm sure that's extremely helpful
4: yeah I mean I, I was massively flattered obviously um it was just in the middle of a normal conversation it was like oh, do you, you want to just be called editor in the book I was like uh re- really you're like no <laughs> <laughs> well I was I, in my head like an editor, Editor for comics was like, like the guys at Marvel or DC or anything that do all the, the hirings, firings. Um steer the ship as you say. But so in my head I was like, Really? I I don't know that I deserve that and then he then he pointed out about the, the whole continuity cop and doing a bit proof reading, things like that, just to make sure that there aren't mistakes or anything in there. And I was like, well, okay. And yeah, I mean I'm I'm not gonna say no to having my name in the in the because it's just awesome. Yeah, for sure.
1: On the, um, so on, uh, the last couple issues, 186 and 187, we've seen a new backup written by you, and you want to talk about a little how that first came about and, and how that started?
4: Yeah, um, I mean, the only time I'd had my name in print before was in the Savage Dragon companion and I mean I love doing that writing out all the stuff because as I said I've got my brain for trivia and stuff like that that would fit into a companion but for years I've wanted to try and get a backup story in into Savage Dragon I wasn't bothered originally who and over the years I've sent loads of plots or attempts at scripts to Eric and none of them have been good enough a few of them have been close I think but none of them had been good enough until I was just having an email conversation with Frank Fosco and um, I mean I'd l- always loved to have had something drawn by him anyway because I love Frank's stuff I've got sure. tons of pages of original artwork of his and yeah we are just having a random conversation about some stuff and I mentioned about a backup that I wanted to do I didn't have anything specific in mind, to be honest, at that point. Just I wanted to do something. Frank had some time and um, I threw out some ideas, and very quickly, a, a very brief plot physique came together. And I sent that off to Eric, and she replied, Yeah, sounds good, go for it. And that was basically the reply. I was like, uh, Okay. <laughs> so I sort of typed up a, a slightly longer plot in um, Marvel style, so it was just. Just the, the bare bones suggestions for plot, um, for like page breakdown, and a few lines of dialogue here and there, mm-hmm. but I knew that Frank is just an awesome storyteller, and could work from Marvel style, so I thought, right, that would do, send that over to Frank, and um was amazed with what came back, it was just pretty much everything that was in my head was there on the paper, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Um, plus, I just always wanted to get Atlas back in the book, to be honest Yeah, Atlas is awesome I totally since, agree <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ever since he was first introduced for that one page mm-hmm. You could instantly see that he was Zeke's ancestor I thought, yeah, got to have something at some point between the two of them
1: Yeah, that's a long-time uh, long time payoff
4: Yeah, I yeah. And um, at the end of the day, Zeke's just awesome I love that guy. He's um, he's been one of my favourites since I started reading the book, because that was, and the first issue I read was fifty nine, and that was like in the the height of the SOS days. That's right. And, and Zeke was just the the ultimate beast in that group, and uh, I miss him from the from the main book. To be honest, I thought right, if he's not in the main book and Eric's not using him, let's see if I can use him.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, he's a very fun character, and I thought you did. I mean, um, you know, we I've said as much to you in, in emails, but I thought you did a, you know, really good job capturing the character, and you know, it feels like a scene that could take place just in the main book, and and it, it didn't seem, um, you know, it didn't seem like your first writing. I mean I know it wasn't technically your very first writing, but it didn't seem like your first writing gig and uh I thought you did a great job.
4: Cool. Thanks a lot. I mean I was you know that I was tentative when it came to the scripting part because I'd never never written any real dialogue or anything. So I was I was nervous about that. Um but I mean Zeke is fairly easy to write for. Um just because He's a dumbass. And uh, <laughs> he's got that like Hulk-speak going for him, like the, the dumb Hulk. So it's, there's plenty of um, material out there for Zeke and and if you look at the Hulk stuff to sort of think, yeah, I, I can do this, I guess. Um, I mean, Hulk's dialogue that Eric wrote for uh, Defenders was the main, I think, inspiration for Zeke beyond... Mm-hmm. Just seeks normal appearances because he's never really had a lot of dialogue over the years, anyway. Just because he's not the type that would, yeah, he doesn't chat talk much. About. yeah, no, just smashes. So, <laughs> but that's why I love him, yeah. No, I, I, uh,
1: well, I made me instantly recall the scene with him in Powerhouse in, in Robert Kirkman's God War, yeah. And uh, I just thought that was hysterical. And it it was another one of those, like, I'm sure it was the same deal with with Kirkman going, you know, you never really, this guy doesn't get enough airtime. And
4: and he's a really fun character. He was. I mean, Zeke, for me, was like the star of God War. He didn't do a lot every now and then, but he was like the only one that actually made any kind of difference when they were fighting the, the big forever serpent. He was just... That's right. And uh, and and yeah, his interaction with Powerhouse was just hilarious. Heyhead. <laughs> I think it was called. But, but yeah, no, I, I loved that. I mean, I love the gods. I wish um, Eric would use them more because there's just loads of cool designs that Eric's just thrown in and they're, they're awesome.
1: Yeah, those are some of his better designs, I think. Um, it, it might be part of that just, you know, kind of epic Kirby scale, yeah. uh, bleeding through. Um, but those are some excellent designs.
4: Yeah. I mean, thought is my favorite villain in the book. So, and that's every time he shows up, I get excited, but at the same time I think, oh, I wish the rest of the gods would show up just as much, but maybe one day, if, um, I'm sure I could get back round to the gods again at some point.
1: Yeah. That'd be awesome.
4: Yep. Um, I'm going to cover a couple more of,
1: uh, Craig's specific questions here. Um, so what, what was your take on, uh, collaborating with Frank in the backup? Like I know you said you were really floored with his storytelling, but like now that it was, now that it's, uh, the experience was done, did, 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 would end up being a harder job than you thought? Did it take longer than you thought it was? What what was it like seeing some of your words like, interpreted in a way that maybe wasn't what you were imagining, like for
4: better or for worse? Um, I mean, it it all came together quite quick. I mean, Frank's, Frank's a workhorse when it comes to drawing. So it definitely didn't take longer than I was expecting for it to happen. Um, I mean, because Frank's been doing this for a while, you just know that you can trust him with with the storytelling. I mean, he, he offers up lots of good ideas. Um, his panel panel layouts are always fun. His fight scenes are just brutal, mm-hmm. and like the um, the bit in the second part where uh, Zeke crushes Atlas's chest plate. That was all Frank, um, and it was just a great idea. Um, but yeah seeing what to me didn't wasn't exactly a huge plot seeing that fleshed out by frank into something pretty special for me was just amazing um i mean i'd like to do something with frank again in the future we've talked about it it's just he's quite a busy guy um sure there isn't there isn't a lot of space in savage dragon to to fit something else in so it's just waiting for the stars to align again um but, yeah, I'd love to do something with Frank again um can you uh
1: do you drop any hints about your
4: next backup story uh well the next one i don't I don't know if it was officially announced. I mentioned it here and there on Facebook and that, but it's um a max damage story with um Scott James on artwork, and that that's looking pretty awesome as well um. it's it's max damage doing what max damage does which is being a lovable goof so I think that will be in issue 191 now Um, yeah I think that's the plan yeah but it's it's a lot of fun and uh, again seeing seeing my plot um, recreated into some just great artwork by Scott is just a lot of fun and you can tell Scott's having fun with it, just because he's phoned me up and just gone on about how excited he was working on it. So, I mean, that that's always nice to hear.
1: That's but cool. It's... He seems like a kind of fountain of positivity. He, he he's, is. He, he, yeah. He's really jazzed about some of this stuff, and it's also kind of cool to see him because we've seen him in the book before, and he's obviously you know yep. done a lot of like dragon related art and stuff, and. Um, it was cool to see him come back sort of in gradual steps to the book with yeah his um his uh coloring of of zeke with with frown frank's art yeah. and then uh his one page uh hostess pie strip that is uh, is is in issue 188 and and um now a, a full a full backup again uh on his own yeah. which is really cool and something
4: to look forward to I think yeah I've, it's just a nice stretch of like, a, a good run of Scott's work being in the book it's like a nice little showcase for it and um, it's also fun just going back to some of the older stories that he's done and just looking how his style's just getting better and better and he's, Yeah, he's got he channels a lot of like Eric's style but without looking too much like it if you understand me it's um yeah he
1: has a couple things that are very reminiscent of like maybe how eric would stage characters yeah. like with you know fist flying at the reader or um you know a certain expression but it doesn't look at all like
4: eric drew it it's just sort of no. similar similar posing and, and things like, like channeling that. the same energy or something it's, yeah yeah but yeah it's just it's a lot of fun to see it and um we're hoping to do more, me and Scott. It's um again just all about lining it up and and making sure that Eric actually likes what we're doing to, to wanna print it to be honest. Yeah, there's always that. <laughs> yeah. <stupid> crap, so <laughs> you never know. But but yeah, at least max damage is a nice nice starter for us. Okay, last couple of Zeke related things. Um yep. Craig says,
1: uh, did you put any Easter eggs? into the story and if so can you talk about them
4: uh yeah the, the first part i wanted to go back to me being again an, an ocd weird guy and i've got a bit of a an obsession with killing characters <laughs> uh which which poor eric's quite uh used to now with suggestions of various things and um i just emailed him saying would it be all right if i uh put in Antonio Seghetti's old mob boss friend, as uh, as having died, and just put it on like a newspaper. He's like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, Frank did it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's what I want." And, uh, <laughs> it was good. I mean, I uh, I like I like having closure for characters. I don't like um, comic book limbo,
0: mm-hmm. where
4: you'll see a character show up once and then that's it. So. I like to see the obscure characters turn up, or at least have some sort of conclusion to their story. Now, I mean, this guy Roberto Giudelli—I don't, I don't know if that's how you'd pronounce his name—but mm-hmm. he showed up for one panel back in issue 22 to talk about Overlord's death, and that was it. But I thought—was right, that the yeah. bald guy
1: on the TV screen?
4: Yeah, little <laughs> old man. I thought right, yep. Yeah. Tony always wanted to be the best, you know that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, yeah, let, let's finish that guy off. But, uh, but that—I mean—that's why I chose a villain like Absorbing genius for the story because he's a very minor character. He's only appeared, I don't know, three or four times before that, and I thought, yeah, let's bring him back, uh, even if it is just Abby his head crushed in by Zeke. <laughs> So, you know, it's an ending. It's not a pleasant one for him, but...
1: Well, it's more know. use than he probably would have given, gotten, you know, more well, yeah. play than he probably would have gotten if, if you hadn't done it,
4: so... Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... But, yeah, I mean, I, I like... Um, killing characters, basically. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, Absorbing Genie is one of the few Freak Force characters left as well. Freak Force villains, I should say. Because mm-hmm. um, it's been fun... Going through one of my little lists, just seeing how many people that they faced are actually still around, and it's not many. Um, Eric's been pretty brutal with those guys over the years, and uh, I thought right, I'll add to the list. Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, and there goes absorbing genius. So. No, I always wonder what happens
1: to guys too. I mean, I don't, I don't remember them as well as you do, but I, I have the, I, uh, uh, I'd like to see. St- the characters you know if not bite it I'd like to see their stories resolve in some way
4: like yeah. does he some kind of like well this guy was doing this now what is he doing you well know? yeah I mean it's it's one of the, the cool things about the, the real time aspect of the book is that you've got characters that haven't shown up since like the mid 90s so a lot could have changed for them and like it could be that the villains just Quit, or after twenty years, like with Absorbing Junior, maybe they thought, right, let's let's actually try one more, try it, conquering the world like they'd like to do. And, uh, right, right. Unfortunately for him, he chose Zeke to try and help him, <laughs> and uh, he got dead. <laughs> so, sucks to be him, but never mind. All right, um,
1: I have a couple more general things. Um. Um. What What do you think is your
4: favorite uh, era or period of the title? Um. Probably. I mean, it's going back a ways, but the little run between like sixty, sixty eight to seventy five, or maybe even as far as sixty six to seventy five. That whole stretch, because it was. Sort of around that time I went, first went online and joined up with a message board and had my first interactions with Eric. And it was just the run into the Savage World stuff where everything was going all crazy and plot lines were being tied up, characters were dying left and right. It was just massively exciting. Mm-hmm. And it also had the scene of Zeke snapping Thor's arm, which I loved. Oh yeah, that part's awesome. Um, no of course that's your favorite era because he's wrapping up all kinds of stuff right before yeah. the savage war <laughs> so I, I I like it when Eric does that I mean he's in a period of doing that at the moment yeah and it's always exciting because you just get all kinds of characters showing up uh, and having some sort of resolution to their storylines and I mean there's well what was it f- five years ago or so just before the run up to Back in Blue and he did something similar um, after Solar Man was killed. And there was that, those three issues of 142 to 144, where it's just loads of stuff was being tied up. Yeah. The kids were being brought back. Jennifer um, slash yeah, mutation. Kids dealt with. Yeah. And just the amount of plot threads that ran through 144 alone was just great. But yeah. I think the earlier issues of the, the 66 to 75, there's just a lot of things in there that are liked: Dragon versus Powerhouse. The SOS fighting everyone. Covenant of the Sword, Dark Lord. there's was just loads of things. Even um, Chelsea Nirvana showing up and killing her dad, taking the Mighty Man powers. All of that was just... You didn't know what the hell was going to happen next.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and since it was shortly, you know, relatively shortly after you started reading the book. I mean, that's... It was, yeah. That's the kind of, you know, when you find something and it makes an impression on you, that you always remember that, like, early period of... Exactly, when your mind a nostalgia pers- thing. Well, yeah, and, and like, just it, it did something to your brain that didn't, you know, you still haven't grown out of, because, okay. like, I can think of some of those issues uh, that were like right around the time when I started reading the book regularly that are just burned into my brain because that's when the sort of uh bomb went off of oh I can't believe they're doing this or yeah. like this is not like comics I read before or whatever it was that I was thinking when I was reading those issues and yeah I think it
4: just kind of gets you know um, carved into you I think also the um The run up to The Savage World was also the first time that I ever had any of my um, geeky lists that I actually used them to help Eric with something. Because I wrote, even though I was fairly new to reading the book, I'd brought up all of the back issues by that point and pretty much all of the spin off series. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'd compiled like a list of what would happen if Dark Lord was killed when he was a child. And like broke it down to like what would happen regarding Mace and Dark Lord and the Covenant and Super Patriot and loads of stuff. Um, I mean, I missed a few bits off, um, but I, th- I posted it on FinAddicts online listserv that he used to run. And um, I think Eric would probably just, well, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I might use that. I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was the first time that I'd actually got to help Eric with anything like that so that that probably helps it cement in my brain that that run-up was just um pretty cool for me yeah and it, it, definitely it, I mean it's not to say that everything since then I haven't liked as much it's just those issues are just the ones that always stick into my brain so yeah I mean that's cool no the that's... Purse stuff obviously I loved it as well but the more recent times. Emperor yeah. Dragon, but, but yeah, those earlier issues with the SOS and everything was just, that's always the run that I say is my favorite. I'm sure it'll change eventually, but, but yeah, that's what sticks there for me. What, uh, what,
1: I know there's probably a billion answers to this, but what's it, <laughs> what's a character that you wish
4: Eric used more? Um, well, Thor, obviously. Yeah. Um, Zeke. Uh, beyond that, I mean, loads. Uh, I wish Rogue Warrior showed up a lot more. Um, I keep suggesting him for backup stories or various roles in the book, but he's only shown up twice, and each time he's just kicked a lot of us. The like, first time he showed up, he killed three SOS guys. second time he came in, he beat up Dragon and the Atomics that's right this, yeah, yeah this guy's just a huge powerhouse and we didn't, haven't really got to see him kick any more ass since then so i'd like to see him more but i mean all of them i mean I, the rock crew um the deadly Jew obviously yeah that's my go-to answer <laughs> <laughs> um i mean powerhouse thankfully he's been showing up a lot more recently but bearing in mind how big a presence he was i up until the Savage World, he didn't really show up again, very much. Yeah, for like, close to hundred issues. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad he's playing a part in the book again, and uh, his team up with Flash Mercury is quite good fun. It's nice seeing them together. So both just goofy looking guys that can beat the crap out of people if they need to. So, but yeah, there's there's hundreds. I mean, I I'd, I'd like to see all of the old school. Vicious Circle guys turn up more like Megatech Brawn, uh, Raw Dog. I think he's an awesome design. Yeah, he's barely been in it, um, but yeah, tons. Oh, Volcanic. I've yeah, done. I love all the volcano and lava men. Yeah, I mean, issue twenty is one of my favourite from an action point. View when the Vicious Circle attack uh, the police station to try and get to Cyberface and the the guys that are used there, which is raw dog megatech volcanic Vane, they're all just cool designs mm-hmm. and um i was I was thrilled when Vane showed up I was gonna say recently, but it's still like nearly thirty issues ago now when her and Double page teamed up, but oh, me I mean too yeah, that was unexpected, yeah, so it's nice to see the older villains being brought back in um I mean sometimes they've changed quite a lot like dung recently. Um but that's fun as well seeing him an old man. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah it's going back to the real time thing is it's as much as I enjoy it sometimes it's a bad thing because you don't see characters for a long time. Like Virago from issue 2 hasn't been back. She had created the big stone gargoyle things that fought the turtles. Oh yeah. And um we haven't seen her since she's got to be due a return surely so. <laughs> yeah virago i forgot about her no that's right yeah well that's
1: that's why he has you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um well uh we have a million other things that we could cover um but we're actually going a little longer than than i think we have time for um so i'm just going to do one more question for for yeah. This time, and that's from Raven. And he, he wants to know, how do you drink so much and you're still alive?
4: <laughs> uh, I, I don't really drink that much, to be honest. Um, it's just, every now and then, I like to uh, to get smashed, as it were. Oh, who um, doesn't? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's quite a few people say to me <laughs> about drinking. Like, I don't actually go out very often. I'm too boring and lazy to do <laughs> it's true so just when i do go on about it i i tend to mention it quite a lot on things like facebook I'll, the run up to going out i'll just get excited so i mention it like every day so therefore i guess people think that i'm actually uh going out every day yeah something yeah. I, yeah I think if i did that i'd die So <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it couldn't do it but um yeah Thanks, Raven, for that question. (laughs) He hates an alcoholic.
1: (laughs) Well, um, uh, we were just talking about this on the boards, but I'll go ahead and mention if uh, anybody wants to get drunk with Gavin and or I, uh, you'll have an opportunity to do so if you come to New York Comic Con, not this year, but next year, 2014. Uh, We're going to be there, and and, uh, I know that's a year and a half away, but... uh, (laughs) That 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 that's the
4: one that we can go to. So, um, yeah. uh, we're be gonna fun. B- You can see if I can actually drink
1: much. Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see
4: yeah we'll see how many tattoos we can talk each other into getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, picture of heavy flow on the back of the arm or something. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, Gavin. Thanks for uh joining cool. us and,
1: and uh letting us spend your ear a little bit. And oh cool. thank you. Yeah.
0: Um and uh we'll talk to you guys next time. And we're back and we thank of course Adam uh and Gavin for uh have ta- give it, taking the taking the opportunity to uh have a little chat.
2: Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> The
3: best part with all that, I mean, I just never thought Adam would, you know, get him like that. But you know, you could hear it in Gavin's voice; he was kind of choked up.
0: <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. Uh, we're actually we're gonna talk about uh, the latest issue of Savage Dragon now, issue one eighty seven, and um, issue one eighty seven has a lot of very interesting things going on.
2: Yeah, there's a ton of stuff.
0: Now, uh, we, we talked about the cover uh, a couple of episodes ago when it uh, was originally solicited. This was like the introduction to the uh, the, the next generation of the Vicious Circle, uh, where we get to see um, – sorry, I'm blanking all of a sudden.
3: Cutthroat Jr. Cutthroat Jr., yes. Get, Inferno yeah. Jr., Octopus Jr.
2: <laughs> so Octopus Jr. is Way- Waylon Whipple, uh, Dung's Kids, um, Dumbling Dumplin and, and Blossom. Open Face Junior, who's uh, we find out is a clone of Open Face,
0: and what looks like um, uh, Chaos, but he makes no appearance in this issue. Much.
2: Yeah, much I was story. gonna mention that, and I was gonna mention that there's no appearance of this. You know, if you're looking at this cover, the listeners, there's kind of like a, like you said, a Chaos-looking kind of creature in the background, and we didn't see him in 186, and we didn't see him in this issue
0: either.
3: And of course, the teaser here, I guess, is that you don't see control or normally the little dude who rides on top of chaos.
0: Well, I think it's also been mentioned right. the teeth are wrong, so it's not. We don't actually know anything about, except that. It- yeah,
2: yeah, we're just assuming that. But it is weird that it's on the, you know, on the cover, and we don't see anything. So. Right. Anyway, this this issue, um, it's very stylistic and. Uh, I know it kind of divided people into two camps. Line, lines were
0: drawn. Yeah, I, I, are, and
2: if you're listening to this, you probably have the issue. If, um, you've
0: pro- if you're listening to this, you've probably survived the great uh, coloring debate of 2013.
2: I, uh, yeah, and it, it's it's basically flat colors, and the coloring is done, you know, very vibrant, kind of almost like in an old, old school style way, in a way. Um, but
0: is it really I mean okay, let's try to like you said no you not use, really. use a lot it's of just... flat colors and I think it's really trying to go for a see I can't even describe it because it doesn't even look like old school coloring technique to me
2: no, not really yeah I guess that's the wrong term to use I mean well the idea was to utilize
3: sort of the knockout where you know you've got that giant flat pan and it helps just really you know define uh, like you know put the focus on an area right. And so you saw some of this in Herculean, if you got Herculean. Right, I remember that. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, even though it is a little bit, like you're saying, Jim, a little bit hybrid, because although knockouts are used like uh, crazy in this one, there's the occasional, you know, panel where you get more shading and things like that. So it's not any hard rule here on what's going on.
0: Yeah, it almost seems kind of scatterbrained from panel to panel. (laughs) in coloring technique like um not to get too far ahead of ourselves but we open up the, the the story opens up in a cafe and usually your your foreground focus characters are colored properly and your background characters and background stuff is all flat colored all uniformly mm-hmm. flat everything on the same plane is the same color mhm um but then we get into a scene with um sorry get into a scene with the claw and um oh, what's his name
2: Thunderhead Thunderhead
0: Claw and Thunderhead, and it seems like the coloring is more normal, I guess.
3: I mean. That's exactly what I was indicating, yeah. It, it went from knockouts to, like, here's this page where they have some shading going on and stuff, which, again, breaks the rule.
0: So, yeah. I mean, actually, not, there not. is there is a bit of shading going on. Like, on the second page, you see the Janny twins, and the one in the foreground has shading on her face. So mm-hmm. it, it does kind of come and go, which I guess is, is kind of distracting sometimes.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of shading I think in a lot of these different panels. When you really look at some of maybe not the first page, but that second page, you know, the shading on Jenny when she's running by and she's like in the you know foreground in pink. There's shading on Inferno girl's face in that first panel. You know, right.
0: I mean, but but, it, but um, it looks like the focus character, who's colored, gets the detail, and the background's all flat. Yeah. I mean that sort of stays consistent, but sometimes yeah, yeah. sometimes it gets weird because the focus characters are flat. Sometimes, like you get to the, th- yeah, the like the yeah. third the third panel of page two. Now, uh, Wiffle uh, Octopus Junior and um, Inferno Junior Inferno Girl Inferno yeah. Girl whatever um, they are colored flat, even though they are the focus of the panel. So it it kind of comes and goes. It just seems a little bit inconsistent throughout. Yeah. I mean, I sort of get what he what, the, what Eric's going for here, it just, but overall, I just think it's just kind of distracting.
2: Yeah, yeah. The other thing too about this issue is that every page is six panels.
0: Oh, yeah, six
2: perfect Gee, square panels. I
3: dig that. I did want to yeah. real quick before we move off the coloring, just say um, sort of the experiment here, and I I liked um, you know it, it, I liked it for this reason as an experiment because sometimes I feel this way is yeah. um, this is a retaliation to sort of uh, how in comics uh, the art can be over-processed by too much rendering, too much colors or whatever. So this is the antithesis of that.
2: And, yeah, and uh, I agree
3: with that, yeah. If you notice, there is at no point in this any sort of like screen or lens flare. Uh, it's very common stuff in modern comics. Uh, you know, uh, In this, everything, the line work is never outdone by the coloring job. Uh, As, you know, if you read a lot of, like, New 52, Marvel, that sort of stuff, you know, that can happen. So, uh, or if you've ever seen where somebody will color, uh, like, Arthur Adams, or Art Adams, and they'll just, like, you know, he has all this cross-hatching in the background, and they put a blur filter on it. So it's kind of like, it's sort of, you know, just doing these flat knockouts is to keep the emphasis on the line work, too. Right. So that part of the
2: experiment
0: right okay i get that yeah yeah
2: so i was talking to uh michelle uh, fife who uh you we know as a friend of the show and you know as a pro has done some work and we were talking about this issue and uh we just brought out brought up how you know dragon gets a lot of flack because its readers are kind of in the pure superhero comics kind of uh, fanfare type thing, where it's they're not as forgiving for, forgiving for people that experiment. They want pretty much straightforward, you know, superhero uh, Marvel type stuff. And Eric experiments a lot. And I think when you read some of these reviews where people are knocking the book, they're not getting the experimentation and they're not like super thrilled about it. They just... From what I'm gathering, it seems like they just want the straightforward kind of superhero book just done in the straightforward type of way. Um, right.
0: And I, you know, I, I think I get that. Um, I, I do read Savage Dragon for the experimentation sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be experimentation every issue, especially if he's doing different things every issue. I mean, yeah. while that can be interesting, it also can get kind of old.
2: Yeah. But
0: it's, That being said, this issue... While the coloring was experimental and the panel layouts were sort of experimental, it's still a pretty straightforward superhero story.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying story wise, but in terms of trying different art styles and stuff, I think that throws a lot of people off. And when you read these reviews, it's like it goes over their head that this is kind of like done on purpose. And people just like, well, I don't understand, you know, these flat colors. It's like, you know.
0: She's like cutting corners. He's, yeah, uh, exactly. Tap uh, like, ass. Like he's
2: cutting corners. It's like, no, this is done. On purpose this way you know it's, right it's a neat different thing to try you know to, to you know take advantage of the medium you know and it actually
3: it's funny to like uh, accuse it of cutting corners because if you uh, I love the internet we have access to the flatter uh, the flatter even the guy that does for people that don't know before you color a comic book everything is done in solid flat colors then a colorist will come in if it's two different people and they will put on fine touches, uh, you know, rendering, highlights, lighting, special effects, things like that. But before it ever gets to that phase, there's either a separate guy or even the same colorist will flat everything to where it's flat shades. In this book, the flatter actually put in more detail in some scenes and the finished colors, Eric actually wanted them simplified. Example being the scene where, uh, page one, where Malcolm and uh, his girlie are talking, panel two, those bushes and the building had separate colors on them. In the finished book, it's one solid color. Yeah. I
2: see. Yeah, yeah.
3: So this was very intentional.
2: Right, right. And it's it's just funny, because, like, you know, other books wouldn't even be mentioned. Um, you know, Brandon Graham works pretty much in, like, flat color scheme. You look at, like, multiple warheads, or king city and well, it's black, just like King
0: City's black and white
2: is it black and, all right well there are i think there are some color pages in there
0: the covers at least but not yeah. in the book yeah the book
2: or pages. even like pages of profit that he draws like
0: right pages that's in color that are, that's pretty flat yeah
2: his pages at least were the ones that he actually drew in i know there was one issue that he actually drew the whole thing and that right. was flat colors and uh you know you don't really hear a mention of it and i think it's more he's kind of given a pass because he's Coming more from like the indie end of things, I think that you know it's not a straight superhero book, and I think this just catches flack because you know people want their superhero books in the Marvel style per se, right? Where it's just done straightforward. So anyway, they're I'll definitely,
0: when, they're gonna flip when we get to sports comedy. Just you
2: watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I definitely
3: think that there's a. Uh, I definitely think that there is in superheroes. A, uh, a preference towards the superhero look, and uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. That if uh, you, if you uh, go too far off that path, you're always putting yourself at risk.
2: Right, right, right.
3: I mean, as a mar- as you know, a book, you know, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't have the superhero aesthetic, you know, uh, Adam Warren did some Gen Thirteen stuff, and people, you know, either loved it or hated it. It's still the exact same spirit of the book. Right. It's just he has sort of a manga-infused style, right? And uh, you know, it just doesn't fly necessarily. And Gen thirteen is you know always been sort of a superhero wish title, so that's an old example.
0: But yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> no, it makes one.
0: sense. I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, thing is though, what constitutes superhero art these days is quite a bit different. So, uh, than you might expect. I don't know if any of you guys read any Marvel or DC right now, but the art style is like seems to be so far away from where it was in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's not good or bad. It's just where the fans are interested. It's just the art style is different. And so, yeah, stuff that goes back to an older style must be a harder sell. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: I'll agree with that
2: yeah like you said, though, my main gripe is when people say it's cutting corners and it's like they're just right. it's like, it's like, it's it's like they're going it's going over their head like no, I mean, how do you not get I think the, when the you Sondana get stuff
3: Brooks? like that. I hate I hate to be like, you know, just jump to a conclusions, but like when you get stuff like that and you got people like it's a reviewer, sometimes you get the feeling that someone's been given something to review that's not really in their interest anyway. Right. right. So, I mean, we all know it happens across all entertainment. Like you see the guy who, you know, is reviewing something and you can tell by, you know, his review, he's no fan anyway. So, yeah, you know, I mean, if you don't know this book's experimental, when you sit down to review it, you should probably know that
0: going in. Yeah, you yeah. should get some context. You should read some stuff before it. You should, you know. Right, right. You know, you'd you think as a reviewer, you'd do your homework, I guess. Yeah. You'd think.
2: But... <laughs> so. I do
0: notice uh,
3: Josh Eichhorn has not spelled his name fancy in this issue. Oh, yeah. Fancy spelling?
0: Gone. Sorry,
3: it's a weird thing.
0: (laughs) What, did it have, like, dots over the U or something? Over the O or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway,
2: um, delving into this issue, I did want to point out that, um, Jim, your theory has been debunked on page one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hold on. Page one is... uh, uh, Whalen Whipple. Oh
0: octopus yes, just his Sun. flipper hands. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I am now. I'm increasingly convinced he has no powers. Really? <laughs> He's literally just a kid. And
2: just for listeners, last episode you made the point, which I kind of thought would have been a cool idea, is Whalen Whipple, which is Octopus's son's hands were always in his pockets, and it was right. like, well, what if he doesn't have that big octopus thing in his chest, and it's just his hands are tentacles, which I thought would have been. Kind of a really cool reveal and it seemed logical. But on this first page we see that he's got regular hands, so um
3: even on the cover, um, even on the cover he looks like that. Like his hands are in his pockets and his gut kinda seems like his midsection
2: seems like, kinda bigger.
0: Yeah, yeah. protrudes, right. Yep.
2: So maybe he just has the same powers as his father with the kind of the-
0: But what's under that hat? <laughs> <laughs>
2: A giant octopus beak.
3: Yes! (laughs) I hope not for his sake. (laughs) He does always have it on, though.
0: Um, I think uh, something uh, Raven talked to me about off the air. Uh, You mentioned that you didn't quickly pick up that Rachel was Inferno- uh, Did
3: not, and it's funny thing to not notice, given the fact that uh, you know clearly these two are together later on in the episode. It's made clear that they are a couple. Right. However, I told and the the gap in her teeth. You know that's one thing about Inferno Junior's uh, female daughter. There, you can see when she talks, she's got the big gap in her tooth. Yeah, and I don't know, just didn't connect the dots.
2: What you didn't connect that Inferno girl was this girl no is that what yeah i know it? it's yeah it's sort right. of a
3: dumb thing to not get but yeah i didn't get it
2: <laughs> so um i don't know if we want to go page by page but I, I i thought it was cool that the opening scene is is in the rock house diner it always makes us a cool backdrop and
0: rock, rock house diner is a cool place
2: yeah and i like how they're just kind of sitting there spying on uh, maxine and malcolm dragon and you know, just having typical, like, teenager banter is pretty cool.
0: It's kind of neat how they, they sit nearby and nobody recognizes them, but that just means that they no one cares. Or they, they have really haven't done
2: anything, you know, right. as criminals yet, so they're not well-known. Um, obviously, and, um, Malcolm. There's and not, Malcolm.
3: not, well, they're not, like, freaks, you know, like, uh, with obvious, like, freakish appearance like Open-Faced Junior. That's right. true,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think I commented also off the air that Rachel's pretty lucky that she's not on fire all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, but also back in the day, like, the Rock House Diner, it, you know, and other appearances used to be just filled with freaks.
0: Yeah, seems I, I like, always kind of think of Rockhouse Diner as like the great melting pot of Chicago where normal people and freaks kind of coexist.
2: Yeah, you don't really see that, though, anymore. It seems like in the, you know, past issues it's been pretty... Bunch of human population. I don't know if that's yeah. intentional or what.
3: You got to think it's a pretty chill place though, with the twins like webbing each other in the face.
2: Yeah, that's just true. running around the, the the restaurant. It's a cool little, a little
3: inappropriate in front of customers. <laughs>
2: that's
3: good. That's good. Really subtle, like ultra subtle, like uh, sequential storytelling. Because there, the twins are, you know, like you said, in front of customers and everybody, just you know, giving the old vag web and. uh <laughs> Then in the next panel, you know, they're getting chased by their mom. It's, it's just kind of, like I said, it's subtle, but it's nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I like uh, the scene that follows this where you get the claw returns, and, you know, poor Thunderhead is his uh, lackey still, and he's in some kind of like, looks like some kind of like medieval supervillain type hideout. In Michigan. <laughs> well, you don't know where they are, you know? It doesn't really... It doesn't say.
0: It doesn't seem it doesn't. to be very cross It's across the lake. They're in Canada.
2: Well, I, it, I know... In the
0: medieval Canada, castles in Canada.
2: In the scene <laughs> following this, not to jump ahead, but Daredevil explains how he's got hidden fortresses all over the, the world. The world. So you don't yeah. really know. Who, who knows where they are, I, I you know?
3: I did want to add what's so great. It's so. It was one of the things as a, a listener... To the show, I was dying to jump in and say, but there, he's really working that angle where, you know, in this book, villains tend to be a little bit dimensional. They seem to, tend to have character and personality and whatnot. Yeah. Right. Here we see The Claw, and, and, you know, Thunderhead and The Claw's banter is always about how The Claw is so one-dimensional. Right, right. Like, old-school old villainy. He's like old-school
2: Doctor him. Doom, like... <laughs> Bent on world domination.
3: Yeah, even though that doesn't really mean anything, you know, dominating the world.
2: Yeah, like, okay, so what?
0: I'm wondering what's, what he's uh, growing in those tubes. He says he's hatching an army.
3: Mutants. Daredevil <laughs> says it on the other page.
2: He's a... Uh, it, and it's funny, you bring it up, and I'm thinking about this by Tom Raymond, right? but, but it's, uh, it's funny because he is a villain from you know the world war Two era type that you know all those old school comics have those kind of over the top villains and he totally plays that role now and it's like he's outdated in this like modern superhero world where he you know just, what he is right what's that
3: he's e- he's evil captain america
2: <laughs>
3: he's a man out of time only he's utterly evil yeah like you mean he's He's Doctor Evil.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's like a Doctor <laughs> Evil. Like, like it's kind of funny in a way. Like he's totally out of time, ta- out of his time, and he's. It's almost laughable of like what he wants to do.
3: Yeah, and, and it's funny because Thunderhead even too. He's like, you know, you got killed trying to do this in the past. Didn't that teach you a thing? And like, you just get smacked for bringing up a perfectly logical point.
2: Yeah. Silence the Claw will tolerate no insolence
3: so yeah that's it's just uh you know it's it's a cool angle i like the fact uh, that uh you know here's this guy who grows big has laser vision can grow mutants has hideouts everywhere and it's totally old Evil school thing. yeah yeah and not mean, really like uh, the villains in this book typically yeah, yeah i mean it, just...
0: and maybe that'll give maybe that'll give them the edge maybe no one knows how to deal with someone who's just so single-minded
2: yeah, you know, like secret fortresses all over the world. It's like, <laughs>
5: and they all, it, it
2: looks like a castle. You know, it's like a typical, like old school villain.
3: I'm stoked. I I, I like it. I, I like his His inclusion in the book is funny because he's so old, but it's something really new for this
0: book. So right,
2: right. I, I'm really interested to see what his his mutant army is going to look like.
0: The how? ugly – how awesome is it? Is that first panel on the next page with Dart?
2: Very. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to see her back in the book. I love this new version of Dart, like this kind of super villain. Yeah. And she's totally kind of like stalking Daredevil in a way, like.
0: Right.
3: But well, she's been um. M I A for a bit.
0: Yeah, and last it, time we saw her, we saw her in the backup where she was escaping uh, police custody. That's the yeah. last time we saw her.
2: So we see her hiding in the in the bushes, kinda. Of.
0: Well, that's kind of the thing, she's not really hiding. I that's kind of the funny thing about this whole scene is that she's just standing there and from where she's standing, you gotta wonder how no one can see her.
2: Well, I, I kinda of feel like she's I think it's trying to portray that she's just standing in the shadows. So she's like she's she's like a ninja, so I Yeah. I don't think she's just standing there. I think she's kinda of blending in with the trees.
0: And I mean, I, I mean, I kind of get that in her big silver that, but... outfit, but <laughs> right, right. But you see, like the last panel where she's silhouetted, yeah, mm-hmm. in the in the trees, it's just it, just where everyone's standing. I mean, Malcolm can't see her because his back's turned, but Daredevil and the little wise guys are looking straight at her. I think, I think it's
2: too. just a little bit of shorthand so that the re- oh, it is. I
0: mean, it, it most definitely. Is. But I just found it sort of humorous yeah. about how no,
2: obvious she is, <laughs> and especially with the flat coloring, you can't really.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't like, do yeah, so much. A, yeah, and I honestly kept thinking she was about to jump out and cut someone in half.
3: I wow. thought that was coming too.
2: Right, right. Which did did she ever interact with Malcolm? I don't think she did, did she? I don't think she has a beef with Malcolm.
3: I think it's all about the little wise guy's blood. <laughs> <laughs> Which I hate to, I'm sorry to jump ahead, but that is like kind of the bombshell. Like here is for her to learn that their blood gives you
0: immortality. Oh, that's right. She is overhearing this whole conversation. So yeah, that's uh, I didn't, I didn't even think about that fact. I thought she was just staying there because she, she stalks Daredevil. I didn't even think about the fact that she learned something new. Yeah. I didn't in this know that book either. In this book
3: of constant change, uh, immortality. You know, is something that is only really, uh, you know, the luxury of gods. And even they can get killed in this book. So it's kind of cool for her to learn this thing. You got to think, that's like who, like, uh, St- Ann Stevens and her man know about it.
0: She, she's, to, she's probably pissed she dumped so much of it down the drain.
3: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or did she get any honor? I mean, you never know how it works. Right. I right. mean, she was kind of soaked in his blood. Uh, for people that don't know, she killed one of the little wise guys, and you know she was kind of soaked in his blood. Hacked him up good, you know. Right. So, could have she could already have like uh, immortality or whatever.
2: Yeah, that would be interesting if Eric's gonna go in that way, or because I didn't reading it, I didn't even think that way. I was, I think I was on the same page as Jim. I thought she was just kind of lurking in the shadows, kind of keeping tabs on Daredevil, but now that you say you know she overheard this does that you know put a new twist in things
3: clearly the blood doesn't make you immortal i mean in terms of like she killed one of the little wise guys so you can still totally get killed yeah but like as long as she just takes care of herself no
2: reason she should ever die right right
0: right Right. It, what, what it is is they don't age is what it is right right yeah right
2: so uh i guess rolling along uh this, the scene that comes up next is kind of cool. We get to see Sam Hayes again, which, you know, was a reporter f- during, you know, most of Savage Dragon's
0: uh Is that who he series. is? Is he, is he from the early days?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. He used you to be the main reporter. And I think maybe about 30 issues ago or something, right around the Dread Night, you know, uh, uh, Winston, your uh, ass uh, issues. Um it kind of showed him as like losing his job and homeless and dragon kind of helped him out again. So like now he's kind of here and I guess the way the panels look and, and when you look at the next scene, uh, Mako and the guys in the freak force are watching the interview on TV. So I guess he's interviewing dragon live. Um, but yeah, that's Sam Hayes. He, he was a, you know, he was pretty much the reporter, um, during, uh, most of Savage Dragon for stories and, if uh the listeners that have been around since the beginning will remember um back in the early days when it was a mystery of who mighty man was eric kind of threw sam hayes out there as kind of like a like a, a false flag yeah because sam hayes uh kind of uh spelled you know rearranged spelled out shazam so a lot of people oh, were guessing okay. that uh mighty man was sam hayes and it was just kind of a Red Herring. Yeah, Red Herring, definitely. Um, But yeah, so he's been around since the beginning. Um,
0: I kind of like what Dragon says here at the end. He says, uh, I'm a fighter, Sam. You know that. I'll keep up the fight. Yeah. And then in the next panel, on the next page, he says, I'll use whatever legal means possible to gain my freedom.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I I don't think Dragon's gonna let himself be electrocuted to death is, is basically what I'm no. I'm guessing at.
2: And Sam <laughs> Sam Hayes brings up that whole that Cecil Parasol character again, the Reverend from the Church of Savage Dragons. So that guy's name is being thrown around a lot right. in the past couple issues, or he's making a lot of appearances, so it makes me wonder if he's gonna be some kind of player in this book or well, something's he, going on.
0: I, the, the as long as the plot thread is keeps getting mentioned you got to imagine it's going to lead somewhere
3: also i uh, i know this is funny but like if you get electrocuted and survive so many times you're actually legally allowed to go
0: oh is that true that's true yeah so it's something it's, like if it's, we kill you but you don't die they perform the execution but you didn't die
3: <laughs> it's it's something normal humans can't do it's like 3 <sighs> times or something So, like, I don't know, you know, it'd be a funny thing to work into the book. But, uh, you know, it's been brought up. Is an electric chair really going to kill Dragon?
2: Right, right. So, we'll see. The next scene's kind of funny. It's, uh, you know, like Mako watching the live interview in uh, the Freak Outpost. And I love the scenes in the Freak Outpost. I didn't think that it worked so well with the flat coloring because I – I like to see like the haze of like the smoke and stuff like that. And I think the coloring really kind of brings that out because the freak outposts always is kind of picture as a real smoky place. And it's it doesn't come out as well. I don't think with the flat colors, plus the way the TV is, you know, it, it just almost looks like it's some kind of like just window sitting there. It's just, it, it just looks a little <laughs> weird. Um, yeah. Colors tend to, you know, things like TVs and stuff really kind of, make them kind of, you know, the way that they're colored, you can tell what it is, you know, sometimes Eric puts those little thin lines in, or something like that, that, that really differentiates it from like, a window or a picture, it's like, you can tell it's a TV, but I mean, it's it's a little gripe, but, you know, colors, when done right, make these scenes look a lot better, I think.
3: I'll agree that uh, anything with a background uh, definitely would have benefited from a superior color. Uh, coloring, I'm like, not superior. Jeez, that's that's jerky. A yeah. more detailed coloring style with like effects and things. Having said that, I do love the following panels where it's just knockouts.
2: Yeah, I do like, like that
3: too. Those are really good. Like the yellow sound effect over the blue arm
2: yeah, with the purple
3: yep. backdrop. It just really pops.
2: Totally agree. Or the pink background with like you know yellow Mako in the back.
3: Yeah, it's awesome. And that's that's I think like the knockout like at its most simple and yet most like effective. Because everything just like you said, Jim. Dude in the foreground, he's gray. Mako table yellow. You know, it's all on the same plane. Background magenta.
0: There you go.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Three colors, and you've got all the visual info you need to
2: know.
0: You gotta wonder what kind of idiots pick a fight with Mako, though. (laughs) Other freaks.
2: Yeah, they all. Yeah, you figure Mako's getting old. These guys are probably thinking they can
0: one-up him. I do like how they call him out in the fact that every time Mako fights Dragon, he, he, he screws it up. Yeah. He's
3: a loser, really, you know? He's a loser. He's cool. We love him, but he loses
0: yeah yeah but uh
3: on to the most gut-wrenching unexpected surprise emotional moment of the book
0: <laughs> you'll believe a pile of shit can cry
2: <laughs> i love it made me cry i love how when they whenever they show vicious circle goons at in their home life they always have the most busted up apartments with like You know, like, the plaster falling off the walls with, like, the lath, like, you know, boards sticking out and stuff like that. They just have the the worst living spaces.
0: You gotta wonder if they're even renters or if they're just squatting in rough parts of the the city. Meanwhile, Overlord's
2: headquarters is, like, the top of the Sears Tower or whatever they call it now. These guys all live in these little shanties.
3: And and you know a question answered for me. He never seems to be out of that suit. Here he is at leisure, suit on. <laughs>
2: well, you don't know if he, well, th- he he might have just walked in from something.
0: Hey, yeah, he just <laughs> got back from work. You know, knocking over a bank. It's possible, clocking it's out. I do,
3: I do. Uh, think it's. I think somebody wanted uh, had mentioned on the forums that they wished that this lady's name had been mentioned, but it was just kind of like you know more like. Uh, it was just tragic, just that like her only appearance you see is her just wrecking everything, you know.
2: <laughs> I love uh, yeah. I love thinking about like first time readers or someone that picked up an issue for the first time and them reading Dung's uh, you know uh, the text of that you know whatever Dung saying, and just people reading it and being like, what the hell? I don't understand this. You know, like his dialogue, like you're leaving today. Oh, day. Like what? And isn't it funny?
3: I know you're gonna uh, you're gonna laugh, but like, didn't he use kind of those like language ticks of Dung's to like an effect? Like he's like, shaw.
2: Yeah, I, I like, <laughs> uh, like you know, and there's the scene where he's talking to his his wife or girlfriend or whoever it is, and he's like, I gave you everything you asked for. You, I. You couldn't have had kids, fit I, but I gave you two girls, but like what? <laughs> who was this who was this woman really that would be so desperate
3: as to entertain uh...
0: <laughs> It does seem sort of absurd. I like it though. It's uh, Superhero this, this comics, just...
2: everything's absurd, it's awesome.
0: <laughs> this was of really disbelief can only go so far.
2: <laughs> we still don't know if he can jump out of that suit or what. I think it was funny
3: somebody it was mentioned somewhere that like they must not stink too bad cuz that was the first thing I was like how could you even live around like old shit cannons and the two tw- and the twins there well, and, and like stand your life
0: but you get used to it after a little while your your nose
2: adjusts but yet there's like <laughs> flies everywhere that's true and the is you know his daughters or whatever that you know it, it seems like when they walk they just leave puddles of poo <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah, very, very very moist household. I'm sure <laughs>
3: it wouldn't be good. It, you know it
0: wouldn't... something interesting though that 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 this does establish is that dung may actually be pretty goddamn powerful if he can like generate sentient life independent of himself.
2: Well, I don't know if they're actually saying that. I mean, he might have worked with you know octopus and open face or something. I don't know. Did they say that? I didn't want to say,
3: that, but I want to say that, and I—it's I, all kind of the thing I don't like to get just from like you know, it being said on the internet or whatever. But I want to say that like Eric said, the that he got help with these two. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, I feel like it was on a Twitter or Facebook post or something where he was like these two, but it's not in the book, you know. In the book, yeah, you just don't yeah. know yet.
0: Yeah, but they when when uh, they find out that they're not quote-unquote real, I mean – I don't know. It almost seems like – what am I trying to say? It almost seems like they aren't aware of their origins, I guess. I don't know. It just
2: – Yeah. they well, might, made. They may just be <laughs> – we don't even know how old they are. That's true. You know, they may be, like, giant, like, eight-year-olds or something like that.
3: <laughs> and they're girls. The fact that they're both girls, I guess I didn't – that was a surprise. I didn't pick up on it. Yeah. Even with names like Bl- uh, Dumpling and Blossom.
2: Yeah, yeah. So as, as we move on, uh, this next scene is one of my favorites. Um, it's kind of uh, Powerhouse and um, Flash Mercury who've become almost like a buddy team, uh, which I really enjoy. They're kind of like a, a a new deadly duo version in my eyes. They're kind of like goofy looking dudes that are trying to do good now. And uh, I enjoy them kind of like on the elevator ride up to see the new uh, head of the vicious circle. And, and they don't know how they're going to be treated if you know, and it seems like they're getting intimidated by the other vicious circle dudes, like you see Roughneck being like your toast peckerwood. it's kind of hilarious,
0: <laughs> so I kind of like firepower being the new lead, the new head. that was a surprise. I, I like his design. I don't know how much of a screw up he is historically, but uh he seems like a pretty with it guy.
3: I've always thought he was cool-looking, so Yeah, to see I, him like, become more important
0: is cool. Well, wasn't he one of the ones who Overlord toasted back in the early days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so...
2: Like, almost right away, and it was like, damn, you know, it was like, Eric makes so many cool villains, and it's like, this guy is the guy's the coolest-looking villain, and it was like, <coughs> I couldn't believe Eric just toasted him right away. But then he came back, so that was cool.
0: Now he's got a, he's having his day in the sun.
2: I think uh, this scene's also cool, too, because we see... Um, we see a couple of old school characters like Roughneck. Uh, we see that character Myotis, who's kind of like that bat-looking guy, whose only other appearance is Roughneck. yeah, his, his only other appearance is issue one thirty-two. So it's good to see him making a another appearance. I like seeing ca- characters reoccur. Um, also, that in, background, that
0: background guy with the chainmail. I think you can only see he has like half his face. Yeah, he's a, that's a, he's
2: armored. that's assassin, and last time we saw him was in issue 159 when like the vicious circle it was kind of like during the dragon war type thing and the vicious circle was kind of turning into a bunch of good guys under uh uh, flash mercury as overlords rule right and uh we last time we saw him he was getting handed over to the to the authorities by other vicious another vicious circle goon so somehow he got out of jail but it's not really mentioned but yeah it's assassin
3: it's funny too the contrast like you were talking about where he has a firepower whoever is the lead of the vicious circle has a nice place and like the uh, members of it live in dumps yeah you get to see within this same issue the like stark contrast between you know what it means to be the leader versus to be an underling so you kind of get that idea of you know that's why it's such a desirable position
2: yeah definitely um and. In the scene, that was pretty cool. You get this kind of like shocking uh, statement by Firepower. It was just like, you know, he's telling Powerhouse and uh, and Flash Mercury that they have to leave uh, Chicago within 24 hours. I was thinking, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool if they headed to D- Detroit and bumped into like the Deadly Duo <laughs> and they became like a super team?
3: You know, you, what I was going to say is don't you feel like what, what's cool about this is you guys kind of talked about it like the soft reboot. And these two characters are like the no respect kings. Yeah. You know, they're, I think you said anytime like you see powerhouse on a cover, sales drop. <laughs> but it's like kind of getting these two out of Chicago, you know, a little bit of house cleaning. And it's appropriate that they're like partners as they leave.
2: Yeah, yeah. right, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. I don't know. I think Powerhouse lets himself get pushed around a little too much, because I've always believed that he's really powerful compared to like Dragon level or Mako level. Yeah. But you never really, you never really see it though. Sometimes, is that he just seems to roll with uh, whatever he's told. He always, he always winds up the flunky and not the, not the leader he sh- really should be.
2: Right, right, right.
0: I don't know.
3: No one wants to follow him. Look right, at. Well, that's it.
0: true. I mean actually that's probably a really good point actually now that you mention it. It's just that no one will follow him.
3: Yeah. kinda tough to throw your weight behind chicken head.
0: Oh well, he's got a hot girlfriend.
3: <laughs> Even the claw, you know, the minute he sees him, first lays eyes on him he goes chicken head's attacking me. It's <laughs> like, you know, the the visual thing is
2: this very goofball. important
3: here.
5: <laughs> yeah.
2: And just I know we're gonna be uh strapped for time, so kinda moving on quickly. Um, you know, we get a few more scenes of whaling uh, Whipple, Octopus's, uh, son, and he lives in a dump too, and, you know, he talks to Open Face, and it's revealed, I don't know if it was revealed before, but they talk more about how Open Face is a clone. Um,
0: right. I think that, that was mentioned last issue. Yeah.
2: Um, and, uh, so they're, they're still working on breaking out, uh, 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 cut face cutthroat uh, kid, cutthroat kid uh, right. who I guess is in what do they call it, the penitentiary uh, stronghold? Like, yeah, stronghold. Um, I do
3: want to add uh, real quick before you get off that page sure. that uh, it, they they also they do uh, let you know that open face is living in the lab. his clone, I mean. So his clones in the lab is the new thing there. He doesn't uh, have anybody over him. He just lives in the lab. So it's kind of like the same old facility. He's making use of their same toys and stuff. Uh, the other thing, Jim, if you want to theorize about what Octopus Jr. there's uh, octopus limbs might be here, we see him putting on his boot. So it could still be, his, it could be his legs. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to derail you. just thought I'd throw that no, out. There. That's
2: fine. Um, and as we move along, we, we see, you know, Mako all pissed off and he's rampaging through the street and we see an appearance by, uh, uh, red giant and star The you know,
0: I was really surprised to see them for some reason. I thought they'd retired. Well,
2: yeah, it was, it's, you know, Rita Johnson Remember uh, issues a, l- a while back when she kind of freaked out, I guess, you know, cause she gets, she regresses as she gets bigger, her, her Mental right. She has yeah.
0: She has control issues when she's at her full size. And she
2: killed a bunch of villains. And remember how that kind of like, uh, you know, she was like freaking yeah. out over that. And I thought and she especially about now they got
0: now they have kids to take care of too. I thought they'd just put they put the costumes away and we're done with it. Yeah. So I was surprised to see them back in action. I mean, maybe it was just because Mako such a big deal.
2: Yeah. They don't really. They don't really kind of. Uh, go in detail about it, but they're back uh, for a quick appearance, and um, at the same time, Malcolm kind of bumps into them, and Malcolm starts, uh, you know, fighting back with Mako, and does yeah. one of his patented lightning punches to the head, which is always cool.
0: <laughs> Love it, but he uh, he gets re- returned uh, by getting knocked. Didn't, uh, well, more like uh, pinballed off the top of a building.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Mako gets him back, and then we see uh, Powerhouse and, and Flash Mercury arrive on the scene, and I, they make some comment about one last good deed before we shove off. So,
0: you gotta wonder why they really got involved. I mean, even though they don't, they're not really vicious circle members now. I, I, I never, I don't really get the sense that they're trying to play the good guy. They're trying to, you know, enact change.
2: Yeah, like it's,
0: it's kind of weird that they decided to take Mako head on just out of the kindness of their heart.
2: Yeah, or maybe they just want to give him one lick for, uh, I don't know, just getting dumped on and stuff. Who knows?
0: That being said, <laughs> it, it is very cool when they get to hit something.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> I like how like when Malcolm kind of lands in the scene and he's lands in like in the, around a bunch of freaks. And uh, one of the guys like, here's one for your old man, for what your old man did to Louie. And we know ma- uh, Mako's name, real name is Lou Drum. So they're kind of belting Malcolm for uh, all the hardship Savage Dragon gave Mako.
0: Is that is that what you, is that how you read it? I don't know. It's just kind of odd that, I don't know, that anyone cares about Mako enough to, I don't know. I, 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 just guess kinda, he... I guess I just kind of took it as Louie's just some random freak that Dragon once put in the pokey.
2: And well, kinda... Mako's name is that's... is uh, Lou Drum, so...
0: Well, that's interesting. That's I, I yeah, I didn't... Maybe you're right.
3: That's good, good insight. I didn't pick up on that at all. I just thought it was a generic Louie.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And
2: John Day is in yep. that panel, too, by the way. I was
0: going to mention <laughs> that. John Day's... Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> um So, yeah, I mean, we see a brawl between Mako and Malcolm, and uh, I think last time they brawled, Malcolm was, like, a little scrawny kid. Now he's kind of full-size.
0: Yeah, but even before that, we get the the panel where Mako has basically beaten um, Powerhouse and Flash Mercury, which I think is a serious jobbing on on Powerhouse's part. Powerhouse should be able to take Mako. Did, were they were they beaten? I see. I yeah, guess that, 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 in the would be that in the background he calls them it? stupid because they knocked them clean out.
3: There you go. Well, all right. Yeah, yeah I didn't pick up on that, and that's I guess uh, something when you might say the knockout coloring kind of hurt because I didn't really pick up on the fact that that was those two at all. Right. They do look yeah, more yeah.
0: like I, debris
2: piles than chicken heads. No, meat. I can see it now though.
3: I thought they were people. I just didn't pick up on the fact that it was powerhouse and flash but yeah you're right yeah you're totally you can
0: definitely right. see powerhouse's head yeah and his little squiggle there is, is like his gauntlet
2: yeah yep yep
0: good point jim and I didn't. he's got that cape too you can sort of see that if you're really looking hard and squinting yeah
3: <laughs> i gotta say i didn't think of mako as this powerful
0: right, right.
3: It seems to be i mean to knock out powerhouse and you know flash mercury that's kind of crazy
2: so moving along, this next scene is, is you know, this vicious circle group of kids breaking out, cutthroat kid, and I thought that this scene could have used a little kind of... Uh, more room? Either more room or a little more explanation, like a caption on the top saying something like, meanwhile at the, you know, stronghold penitentiary or something, because... When I'm reading this, the flow of almost felt like – I felt like they arrived on the scene or something like that for where, where they're you know Malcolm and Mako were fighting. And they were – like at first I'm like, what the hell is going on? It
0: does really but, feel like the two scenes are close together because, yeah, because of how quickly Malcolm arrives on the scene.
2: Yeah. I mean maybe they are they are close together, but I just – I thought they were in the same scene. I thought all of a sudden these kids are showing up and shooting at Malcolm or something, but that's not the case. <laughs> anyway it
3: is it is jarring transition uh i i the only thing reason i was able to distinguish it is because i guess the kids were you know always saying that they were going to break him out so i just put them the minute i saw them shooting i just sort of was like oh, okay the breakout's happening
2: yeah 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 i mean just a little minor quip but anyway
0: so uh, it's a pretty um, short-lived breakout, all things considered. I mean, they they succeed in breaching the walls and getting um oh cutthroat cut kid, out. kid out. I'm trying to remember what his real his his real name is. I don't
2: know. Well, they use the Overlord kind of gun. That gun is made of Overlord's armor part, so I guess it's pretty darn
0: powerful. At least as powerful as like one of his hand blasts. I I I basically assumed.
2: And I do enjoy the colors used for the explosion. It reminds me of like the Jack Kirby kind of books, like those same kind of colors are used in like the old school Kirby. Oh, yeah, the
0: Kirby dots and the the, the burning.
2: Well, the dots, but just the use of like the yellow, orange, and reds and the way they are just reminds me of that. It's probably the most
0: gradient shading in the entire issue.
2: Yeah, it's neat (laughs) though. And uh, I like how kind of Malcolm – kind of shows up on the scene and i was pretty amazed at how uh, easy he took out the kids i mean it's it's quite a little scene and he battles them but it did not look like he had that much trouble
3: you know it's they're they're amateurs really they are. They, they, yeah. they haven't had a lot of action and he's been kicking ass since you know he was a child it, for people that are new readers or new listeners or whatever you know malcolm grew up in the sort of a dangerous like alternate dimension
2: dimension X. Yeah. He's chased by monsters his whole childhood.
3: And so he comes out and he comes out from that and he takes up crime fighting, you know, as soon as he can. So, I mean, these kids are so unknown that they can eat burgers and nobody knows or cares. So they're really like super rookies compared to him. So I wasn't too shocked that he took them out like this. I guess they just got a lot of road to go, you know, it, yeah, yeah. It, it is kind
0: of you know, I don't want to say annoying that all these vicious circle kids get introduced and now they're all basically captured already. I mean, I, I expect we'll see them continually as time goes on, but it just seems like I don't know. It seems like they got taken out too quickly after their introduction.
2: Yeah, well, we don't know what's going to go on with that. Like you said, they they, they'll, they might get freed or break out or something. Who knows?
3: Plus, is there a juvie version of Stronghold? You know. Yeah. I love that panel where Malcolm is punching Dumpling and Blossom. That's fantastic.
0: When he goes upside yeah. down.
3: Yeah, it's really like a, an awesomely acrobatic
0: kind of a thing. It, it, and you get. God, and sorry. you actually and you see the uh, you see basically the the panel before that him jumping in the air so you, you see him kind of do the somersault where he yeah, gets between them and punches outwards. It's pretty pretty cool choreographing.
2: Yeah, so they're trying to blast him with, like, a crap blast. And he kind of jumps and flips and punches them both in the head and knocks them out. And I like the, the sound effects, the fop, fop.
5: <laughs>
2: when you punch these guys, it's just there's no solid sound. It just sounds like mush.
3: And then you get to see Gap Tooth Inferno and uh, Cutthroat Jr. trying to take on Malcolm to no avail.
0: man. A lot of these vicious circle kids are really susceptible to head headbutts. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically how Double Page gets beat all the time.
2: <laughs> and then, so he takes them all out, and we get this last page. What do you guys think of this last
0: page? I have no idea what's going on anymore.
2: Perfectly With, timed,
0: right? Yeah, we talked it, about.
2: Remember, this, right? we we t- we had no idea that this was going to happen, and we talked about their relationship between. Jennifer Murphy and and Bloop and Animal in detail last episode. Yeah, we, we not
0: knowing up, at all. Not knowing at all just because they showed up, right? They were just uh, in a random Yeah, they the showed cola. up in the background, yeah, and we
2: just started talking about them. And uh, for the listeners, we'll review it again, but um there's been there's been hints previously that these two vicious circle members, Bloop and Animal were brothers to uh jennifer murphy whose uh real her maiden name was uh jennifer wilson and there was an issue where um dragon was trying to track down jennifer after she went missing and he bumped and he found jennifer's mom mrs wilson and she was in like a nursing home and she was senile and or she came off as senile and she started talking about uh what's her name cirrus and uh
0: ferris
2: ferris and cyril
0: cyril and ferris yeah
2: who we knew i think like those were the names of animal and bloop because of uh savage dragon stories from like whatever the 80s that aren't in canon with uh this new savage dragon that eric did so all of like like the megaton i guess type savage dragon stories or graphic fantasy i forget which it appeared in but We knew that Bloop and Animal were called Cyril and Ferris, I believe, from those episodes. So um, we know that stuff's not canon in the new series, but you have to believe that Eric kind of kept their names. So, you know, in uh, in the back of our minds, a lot of people on the boards were making that connection that, you know, Cirrus and uh, that Bloop and, and Animal were related to Jennifer Murphy. And now it seems like that's really true. Right. According to this panel. At least
0: according to this, basically it's been established that that relationship is, is still is still exists. Of course, yeah, that's so not even the most question. interesting part about this page. Because What's that? apparently Jennifer is alive.
3: Yeah, right, which exactly. she, for people that don't know, she's been dead. It was very important. <laughs> she, she was dead, and you don't come back in this book really from death, so... The minute you see her, you're sort of trained to not think it's her, or
2: it's clone, or something's weird. I have, but her death was never shown on that's panel. That's the thing. I was, that was the weirdest thing about it. It was like, I can't really believe this, because such an important event you would think would be shown on panel.
0: Right. They never showed her body. I mean, they said what happened to her. Uh, right. Um, Savage World Angel killed her when Glum uh, was mind-controlling everybody. I think right. that's that's what it was established, and that her body was buried under the floorboards of some place and had been forgotten about, and that's where they found the body. But we never saw the body. And,
2: and the other question it brings up is why why she never talked about her brother's being in the vicious circle before, right? Previously, you know, in in the previous issues, why is it like did she have amnesia? Or I mean, and why didn't they ever recognize her? Um you know, or mention it, you know, from the vicious circle end of things, you know.
0: Well what do you guys think the deal is with Jennifer's return? What do you what do you think the circumstances are? Do you think she never died or God, I I don't don't even know.
2: I'm at a loss. Like
0: I'm more at a loss of Is it mutation? It could be anything, man. Really?
2: It could be anything. It was to say that. I mean,
3: to see her was like to, like, wake up and see Santa Claus. Like, you just didn't know. You don't know what the hell's real, you know? I just don't know what to think about it.
2: But it's like, why would Mutation know the their relationship, you know? If it is Mutation.
0: Isn't she, like, obsessed with Dragon, though? I can't quite remember. I mean, But well, we were actually, never well,
2: keyed would, into that. She would, that well, because Jennifer. she's
0: Jennifer's best friend from, like, college or something.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but... At the same time, like, why didn't Bloop and Animal ever mention anything about Jennifer being their sister before, and why hasn't she ever mentioned anything?
0: I don't know. I mean, it's not like I'm just Bloop and Animal are that central to the book. I mean, how often do we see them?
2: No, but you just figure that they would have – I don't know. You figure it would have been mentioned before by them or something when they're fighting Dragon.
0: No, maybe. I don't know.
2: He's married to their sister, you know? <laughs>
3: yeah i don't it's, know
2: it's I, who knows i'm at a loss i'm at a loss. there's all kinds
3: of weirdness
2: yeah yeah so anyway i mean in the interest of keeping this rolling because we are this is going to be a long episode
0: yeah so. hell of an issue i mean coloring aside i mean overall it's a great issue a lot of stuff happens I, a lot of superhero action
2: i i really actually dig when when larson does those like Really, uh, multiple small panel issues.
0: Yeah. Seems like I mean, cool. this
2: issue, the court case issue, and because uh, you get a lot for your money. It takes you a while to get through it, and you see all these little kind of not necessarily Easter eggs, but all these kind of little neat things.
3: And uh, other than the one panel where I didn't realize Mako knocked out uh, Powerhouse and Flash Mercury. Uh, I like the coloring experiment. So, I mean, it's... And they say that there is much more to come. So, if you didn't like this one, tough titty. What? Yeah. (laughs) Really? Yeah, there's supposed to be more coloring experiments to come. Interesting. Even, quote, even more experimental. So, we'll see.
0: I wonder if the 190's uh, um, digest size will be very experimental you
3: gotta i mean you gotta wonder i don't know there's especially with big changes coming in the book
0: who knows yeah you know it might be right be interesting to see what happens next i mean next issue should be out like a week or Mm -hmm. two i mean this is a fifth week month so maybe two weeks Mm mm-hmm so we going to talk about zeke we didn't talk about it last time cuz I thought we'd talk about it as a as a whole. Um I mean the interview that we had with Gavin uh probably filled in a few blanks but I figure we should express our thoughts before we go.
2: Yeah, I mean I think unfortunately we have to kind of go through it quickly again cuz this with the interview and everything this episode is going to run long but
3: we'll run um, just uh everyone throw out just your impressions I guess of it then just your two part like sort of yeah what'd you think what make you feel?
2: Thoroughly impressed with Gavin on his first writing assignment. Um, I thought, you know, I mean, he knows the character well. He, he worships the book, but um, I thought it was a good story. I, he threw out, you know, little Easter eggs to appease all the, the fans, like uh, Roberto Gerardelli uh, in the newspaper, who was kind of like an old-school mobster that was referenced in early issues um absorbing Junior was kind of brought in who's you know it's always cool to see an old school villain instead of just a throwaway character
5: mm-hmm.
2: um and just his handling of Zeke was pretty freaking awesome Frank Fosco and art can never complain about that I wish Frank could draw every backup um coloring was awesome I enjoyed the story I enjoyed getting a little closure with Zeke it seems like he's getting put away um maybe to be played with at a later time but we're kind of getting a little closure there and moving on what'd you guys think
0: go for it jim okay um i uh, of course you know i absolutely adore frank fosco's artwork so having two more backups of that was definitely a treat um i enjoy anything to do with rock house diners so having rock and widow have roles in this story in part one was definitely also uh Something really cool. Um, I did feel that the second part uh, concluded far too quickly. I thought the fight took up a lot of space, and it wound up with a very, very pat resolution, I guess. Yeah. It just seemed like it wrapped up in one page, which I felt just kind of cramped things a little bit too much. I also kind of think Absorbing Jr. got thrown away a little bit too nonchalantly, because he strikes me as an interesting character. So now that he's gone... I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> I like what he was trying to do. I mean, presumably he was trying to absorb Zeke's uh, super strength and just be king badass, but uh, didn't work quite out that well. But I guess that's what happens when you uh, bite off more than you can chew. Well,
2: I, I think that's Zeke's character. It's like the guy is way too powerful, and he's got like you know, he's like a, what's his name, a Lenny from Mice and Men. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, he's the, just. A giant, slow kind of—he's got the body of a god with the mind of like a three-year-old yeah. or something like
0: and he, that. And, so. he's, and he's loyal. I mean, the way the way Widow looks at him after he crushes Absorbing Junior's head just makes you think this guy is terrifying. But he's my friend. I don't know. I, I,
2: she looks scared, crapless. You know, like wow. Like you know, he's he's kind of like having a pit bull or something like that. It's like, you know, one minute is your friend. The next minute you're kind of terrified because he's like biting off the mailman's arm or something like that. And you know, he could like turn on you if you kind of cook, stepped on his foot. If you, you cook, know? cook the burgers
0: wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought, Oh, Atlas, I thought is, I don't know. He's supposed to be Zeke's father, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't know a lot about him and I don't think this really said a lot about him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In a lot of ways, I didn't really care about Atlas or what he wants. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It was good overall. What do you think? What did you think, Raven?
3: I was pleased. It was very nice backup, uh, you know, fit, fit w- very well with the main book. Uh, always nice when the backup can, you know, sort of complement the main reading. Uh, I loved, you know, Fosco's art. He brought it. Gavin's writing. Uh, You know impressive use of pacing Um, a lot of folks I mean, it's very small page count on these backups and it is a challenge to tell a good story with very few pages so given the page constraints, you know uh, fantastic use of pacing great art uh, Especially love the stark contrast between the coloring in the backup versus the coloring in the main issue Uh, so you get to see uh, you know just sort of some of what I'm talking about with all the screen and you know lens flare and all that good stuff versus the main where it's just always you know straight thing and one's not better than the other you know they're just different and uh, I don't know it's really great looking good action good fights the fact that there was a fight for each one of them that was you know at least of uh, power versus power you know Zeke's ver- power versus his own power and then you know Zeke's what you would think, father, you know, probably have an edge on him. You know, it was interesting matchups for both parts. Overall, very impressive, good stuff. Loved it.
2: Yeah, yeah, same here. Frank draws a mean action scene. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think, uh, I think, uh, Gavin did a great job writing it, and, yeah, and Frank did a great job drawing it. Um, I, I think I look forward to, uh, Gavin's other uh, I know he said something like these he's, he's going to have another story coming out and I look forward to that.
0: I think I think Gavin really captures the 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 feel of the main Savage Dragon story. I mean it doesn't it, this feels like a direct continuation of Savage Dragon, I guess.
2: I would agree with that. Yeah, I I like it. He's not trying to throw in his new created characters or anything like that and he's using established characters. You could tell he want as much as everybody else does. He wants to see some of these old characters make reappearances, or you know, play around in the in the, in the toy box. So uh, I look forward to that. Kind I of do stuff. have
0: one slight worry that he may be using this as a way to clean house of little like niggling things that he 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 uh I won't say obsesses over, but is very interested in. Like the way he just he kills absorbing junior, it almost feels like this is a loose end. I'm going to take care of yeah. this. I just,
2: well, I think uh, there was a um, comicbook.com did an interview with him, and I think Absorbing Jr. wasn't created by Eric or something like that, no? so it was a way to kind of get rid of that character. I could be wrong. Right.
0: But. I think it was that interview that sort of made me think that maybe you don't need to kill everyone, Gavin. <laughs> you
3: know what? Just do Just do the Bubble Boy. Follow up Zeke with Bubble Boy. No one will care if you kill. Just go crazy right. i like the got megaton
2: uh, homage cover <laughs> but anyway that about wraps it up on uh on that front
0: yeah yeah i think we got a good uh episode here at the can so any oh we should talk about uh next issue uh next episode take it away savage, raven
3: savage dragon 188 the claw The Claw returns. The legendary villain from the Golden Age of comics strikes again. Malcolm Dragon joins forces with the Claw's most hated enemy, the Golden Age Daredevil, in an effort to stop the notorious menace. Plus, we continue to look into the lives of the sons and daughters of Chicago's vicious circle. It's a tantalizing glimpse at the crime family they were born to inherit and the forces who oppose them. (laughs) <laughs>
0: huh, i wonder if uh we'll be seeing uh the vicious circle kids uh like get booked
3: <laughs> you know how do you fingerprint uh ship ship clones <laughs> you know how you do that how's it work
2: something's gonna happen so i mean we're gonna learn more about them so i can't imagine they're just gonna get booked and thrown in jail so yeah loving
3: know. the insight loving the insight into
0: the vicious circle's lives yeah i'm digging that too it definitely uh yeah it's cool
2: This, uh, you know, Savage Dragon's just been on fire lately. You know, between, you know, getting a glimpse into this, I love seeing all the Vicious Circle goons like kind of interacting. A lot of the old guys and stuff. I got a big kick out of this issue, seeing a lot of old favorites. Um, Looking at the solicitations, you know, after 188, it's like, you know, every cover's got uh, Savage Dragon on it in his like prison duds, and it's like. I'm so looking forward to seeing like him in jail and having jailhouse brawls and stuff like that. I am uh I'm super psyched about Savage Dragon.
0: Yeah, it's like the next like seven issues there's going to be really really intense, I think leading yeah. up to the big the big rebranding soft launch.
2: It's always cool getting like a new major villain. Claw seems like he's going to be like the next, you know, dark side slash Cyberface slash you know
0: really i, I don't
2: know overlord
0: I, I don't know if i like the claw i mean conceptually yeah. i dig it and i like what's going on but i don't know if he's going to become an iconic villain like Cyberface i don't know i think that might be i don't see it
2: i just i look at it as errors of savage dragon by like who he's kind of fighting at the time and it, it seems like i i could be wrong but
0: i mean i mean it'd be cool It
2: seems like he'll be a new reoccurring kind of major baddie.
0: I don't know. I don't want to go too much into it, but I kind of have the same issue I have with Daredevil and just that they're not Savage Dragon characters. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I guess I don't, I don't know, feel them the way I do with certain other characters that have come out of the book. Right, right. I don't know. I can
2: see that too. You will. You will. (laughs) You will.
3: Give it time. You will believe. All right. so anyway yeah.
2: yeah um just to remind you guys send us your questions comments suggestions hate mail, um, yeah, at fan, savage, mail. fan mail hate mail uh you can reach us at savage fincast uh, uh savage fincast at gmail.com um don't forget to answer our trivia i'll have a uh, another uh prize or prize pack for the first uh winning uh answer for our trivia. So again that's SavageFincast at gmail dot com. We look forward to hearing from you. Um so yeah. Good show guys. Have a good
0: one. thanks a lot. Check you later. The Savage FinCast is a part of the Gutter Trash network and the Image Addiction family of podcasts. And can be found at either fincast.guttertrash.net dot net or imageaddiction.net.